Welcome back to the Movie Babble podcast. I'm hosting this week. It's me, Brandon. I'm here with Nick. How's it going? What's going on, man? Uh, you know what? Not too much. Same old, same old. I mean, summer's starting to wind down, and we didn't really get a summer movie season. Kind of sad, but uh, it is what it is. Um, yeah, Colin is away this week, so I'm, I'll be hosting this episode, and uh, we'll, we'll touch on a couple interesting things with the box office as we kind of start up here, because while the United States is still sort of reeling with everything and, and there isn't really a confirmed set um, date yet for when the U.S. is uh, going to be opening up their theaters overall. I mean, we know that Tenet's going to be kind of the, the aim, but uh, uh, they don't have a – I mean, it's not fully concrete, right? Things are It's a fluid situation, obviously, with the coronavirus down there. But up here in Canada, um, things are looking a little bit better and theaters are opening. So I want to touch on that a little bit. Um, so SpongeBob opened uh, in Canada this past weekend to about 300 theaters, and it grossed about $900,000, which is not too shabby, actually, for 300 theaters. Um, it opened up at one near me, and before I actually touch on theaters in Canada, I want to just throw it back to you. Uh, these are actually pretty good numbers overall. Yeah, I I mean, there's so many qualifiers now with what a, what a release looks like. I feel like every studio head's like, hey, we made some kind of money, so this is good, I guess. But yeah, 90, uh, uh, 900K off of 300 theaters, it's really not too bad for something like SpongeBob. And you're, I feel like we're going to see a lot of these kind of releases now where like, I feel like the world, like we just can't wait for the U.S. to get its shit together. So we need to, all these studios are really, they really need to make money off of these properties that they've been pushing back and they've been remarketing and just hemorrhaging money because they've had to remarket and say and set new dates and everything like that. So it's SpongeBob and also Unhinged, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little, a little bit further as well, are these two movies that just they need to start pumping out box office receipts. And so yeah, Canada's in a lot better shape than here in the United States. So it just makes sense that they would release there first. But yeah, it's really it's not too bad, especially because drive-in theaters have been basically just all the talk in terms of going to theaters the last few months. So seeing theaters actually open and it seems like everything is safe is from what I, from what I've read and heard. That's, it's not a bad start for SpongeBob. No, for sure. And you know what? $900,000, 300 theaters. That's great. And then obviously uh, Russell Crowe's unhinged made about 582,000 in the same amount of theaters uh, here in Canada over the weekend. The thing about SpongeBob, though, I think that will be a very successful on-demand release in the United States. Would you agree? Oh, no doubt. This is uh, Trolls World Tour possibilities here. Mm -hmm. And especially just because for, I know people are our age who love memes, so basically us, like SpongeBob has lived on, and there's a possibility there where it's or older people will get it and buy this movie on. It's going to premium VOD first, and then I think it's going to CBS All Access after that. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, like I think SpongeBob, this is the start of something pretty strong for this movie. I maybe strong in <laughs> these days means something different than it meant in January. But uh, yeah, it's. I think this is a really. I think it's. I don't know if it's smart, but I feel like it's just the most necessary kind of distribution you can do at this point. Yeah, and it's neat to just be able to go on to um, Box Office Mojo and see that SpongeBob made $900,000 this past weekend. And uh, the, the per theater average of 3000 as we were saying, it's not too bad at all. And it's also expected to open up in a few more theaters in Canada 
as the weeks progress. So um, the theaters near me, it's, it's, it's funny because they opened up uh, early August. That's, I think, August 4th or 5th. And since then, they've just been playing, we spoke about this a few days ago, but they've just been playing movies like they played uh, the Dark Knight trilogy, Jurassic Park, Pulp Fiction, Dirty Dancing, The Goonies, Harry Potter, all those sorts of things. And that's just, I'm not barely even scratching the surface. They play, uh, I think Jaws was there as well. Harry, uh, yeah, I said Harry Potter. Um, Lord of the Rings was playing as well. Um, a ton of stuff there. But now, finally, a 2020 movie is is out, a new one. So I checked out today just what the theater looks like and what um what the kind of uh the availability looks like in the screens and you have about 28 showings of spongebob today at the theater near my house <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and i mean this is a this is a large theater this is uh one of the biggest theaters in canada not in terms of capacity but in terms of screens um, there's 24 screens total, so it's it's quite a large theater. So um, it does make sense that they have 28 showings of SpongeBob. Um, and then besides that, they, they still have um, Harry Potter playing. They have The Inception, 10th Anniversary, um, Lord of the Rings, and Jurassic Park. But they are getting like one, two showings a day. Unhinged has about 18 showings, um, but uh, nearly 30 showings for SpongeBob. So do you know what the kind of like what these theaters are doing in terms of keeping people apart or anything like that? Like what's the capacity? Do you know that? Yeah. So where I'm at, um, we have this, we have the government mandated at 50 per theater. Now when they announced that, or it's 50 per indoor gathering, a hundred for outdoor. So when they announced that the theater chains were, were hesitant to say we're opening because they can't run off 50 people. So they were able to get a little bit of special treatment. And now it's 50 per theater instead of 50 per overall uh, location so each of these screens can have 50 people max rather than the entire um, complex having 50 um, so I, I pulled up what it would look like for me to buy a ticket online and half the seats in every theater are, are um, uh, wiped out so it's it's a it's essentially two people sitting uh, at a spot and the two beside that are um, kind of empty, no one can buy that, then two and two and two and two. But the IMAX theater, which uh, sits several hundred seats, it's actually two uh, you can purchase, and then four empty in between. So it's it's quite well distanced, and also you have to wear a mask um, until you get to the theater, uh, which I don't know if that defeats the purpose of anything, but you have to wear it when you enter, when you buy your ticket, when you walk down the halls. But when you go into the theater, if you have food or something, they say, obviously, you can take it off. But uh, for the most part, I'm I'm pretty happy with those precautions. Yeah, I'm fascinated with what theaters are going to do from here because there was just a report the other, the other day where AMC is like, hey, we're opening again. This is forget that big release that we did back in July when we thought Tenant was going to come out on its release date, but we're coming, we're opening now. Um, and obviously they're doing that in, in preparation for when Tenant actually comes here to the States when it's scheduled to come in, I think September 3rd is the U S release of that. Um, but I like, I don't know. Like I feel like AMC, it's so interesting to kind of see how theaters are tracking the the whole tenant situation and we've been tracking it ourselves for i don't know it feels like years at this point on this podcast but it's so fascinating when they're they're stuck to this date where tenant warner brothers christopher Nolan, like hey we're, we're going to come out september 3rd so now theaters kind of have to get their shit together and figure out what they're going to do uh but 
it's just so interesting to see what Canada is doing. I just don't, I just don't see that here in the U.S. when cases are still on the rise, and who knows, we're even supposed to have this second wave, whatever that happens uh, in in the fall here. So who really knows? But uh, I feel like at this point, when uh, when I hear all this news about theaters, uh, in terms of where I am here in D.C., big metropolitan area, uh, until I am in a theater sitting down watching the movies, I won't believe that they're going to open. I just don't see it at this point. Yeah, very funny. Um, yeah, so where I am, I think I did speak about it in the recent weeks. It's it's closer to Toronto, so our theaters opened a little bit later than the rest of uh, the, the, the province or state. Um, but... Uh, now that they are open, I, I do like these precautions. Now, I, I, I'm not planning to rush back to the theater yet. I'm going to keep my eyes open for um, uh, for Tenet. I think that's when I'll probably go, and I'll probably aim for the IMAX just so that I can have four empty seats in between me and who I bring instead of uh, two. I think that would be comfortable and a good time. And I know also the theaters have um, – I don't know if you've seen this uh, before, but – these big things where you can spray uh, like the disinfectants in the theater. And um, I know people have worries about that, but that there are a lot of them that are not, um, not too bad for human beings. I know they're very popular in some countries that they actually clean the streets with them. Um, but uh, I think that's something that some theaters are looking at as well. Yeah. And just looking back at like the distributors and all this, I feel so bad for Solstice Studios, which is the distributor behind Unhinged. Uh, so this is their first movie. They, I think they were incorporated or they started back in 2018. So this is just awful timing for them. Uh, they, so unhinged was like, I think it's about a $33 million budget. So mid budget movie and they're, they have to recoup some of that. Obviously this isn't Blumhouse, uh, budgets we're talking about. And down the pipe, they have a Ben Affleck movie, uh, directed by Robert Rodriguez, which I think was supposed to start production back in April and then everything happened. So I don't, who knows what that happens, but we're in the situation now where this is a new firm and I'm sure they have investment funds that are kind of keeping them afloat for now, but they got to start making money off of this movie. And they were, they had Russell Crowe come in for this. They were really hoping that this would be somewhat of a hit, or at least they could kind of market it well with such a star and who knows. But um, I feel so bad for them because they're in this tough situation where it's like, oh, we kind of need to make money to survive. But also, what are the ethics of releasing our movie when when the cases are still on the rise in certain parts of the world? It is it is so tricky. I, I really just feel bad for all the decision makers in this because I don't really know if there's a correct decision in it. No, I agree. It's it's a very tough, tough uh, situation overall, and uh, we will see what happens. But I do, I don't know if I say I feel confident fully, but I do feel probably the most confident about this upcoming tenant release for the U.S. than I have about previous ones. Uh, maybe that's just wishful thinking, or maybe that's just because I know it's going to be here. Um, but uh, I don't know. I feel like we we might see a a tough spike in the fall with with little kids going back to school and stuff like that and uh, i was thinking this slot for the tenant release is perfect because it'll be before that flare-up but uh who knows yeah it is interesting because all, all around the states there are people they're moving back into school and i i went to william and mary down in virginia and i look you see on instagram and there's pictures of people moving in with masks on and it's just so weird just to see this that happening that they're actually going back to school but yeah it's it does seem like 
Warner Brothers are, is a little more defiant about this time this time around. We're like, no, we are releasing. This is going to happen because uh, they've made reports. We're like, hey, like even if San Francisco, L.A., New York, Chicago, all these big cities that are normally really good for the, the movie industry, even if they're not open, we are still going to figure out a way to release this movie. So um, it's it's really, really tricky. And I feel like we've been saying this for so long where I, I, I don't know, like I – I think this is all just so tough and I I'm just happy that we're here talking about it instead of <laughs> instead of sitting on in these meetings or I guess sitting on in front of a camera on Zoom I guess is how they're making <laughs> these decisions now but uh I'm happy that we're here talking about it instead of having to figure this out because it's, it's it is so tricky on all fronts and there's so many connected there's there's just it's such a big web of people who are connected to this and so many different jobs even just out of just in movie theaters and all that it's it's just it's really really tough no for sure it's, it is and you're right <laughs> when you say it like that I, I'm, I'm much much uh, happier sitting where we are than uh, <laughs> uh than, than in the spots of the decision makers yeah we can just be assholes here with our microphones just saying whatever <laughs> and then let them make all the hard stuff <laughs> exactly um so we'll transition away from that little bit of a box office report glad that we do get to see a sponge on the run almost made a million bucks that's pretty big um so we'll move into the netflix top 10 uh so we will start off at number one here uh, project power um the lost husband at two mr peabody and sherman at three um, Work It at four, a lot of uh, Netflix originals here, uh, Dennis the Menace at five, uh, Jurassic Park at six, An Easy Girl at seven, um, Despicable Me Returns, it is at number eight, uh, We Summon the Darkness at nine, and Mr. Deeds is at ten. Uh, let's run back to the top. Uh, I know you wanted to touch on Project Power a little bit. Yeah, so this is Netflix's big release of the week, and it's pr- it's a really interesting premise. So this movie takes place in New Orleans, and if there's a creation of this power drug. And basically, uh, if you take it, it gives you super superpowers for five minutes. And depending on who you are, your superpower could be different. So there's uh, some people who become indestructible, some people just light on fire, and there's just some people who it just automatically kills them and they, they explode <laughs> instantly. And this movie is uh, R-rated, so it's kind of grisly in that sense. But really interesting premise you kind of have you kind of have like a little x-men slash limitless slash like just grisly crime uh, police drama in there um so it stars jamie fox and joseph gordon levitt just which is really interesting because i feel like joseph gordon levitt's just been gone for a while and he was in that 7500 movie which mm-hmm. came out on amazon amazon uh prime a few weeks ago but it's just this is just a really strange choice for him because it's because he seems like a guy who really wants to be involved and all do all these really interesting things. And this is kind of the most down the middle movie you could ever expect. Like this is just like mass entertainment. Let's try to be a four quadrant thing kind of movie. Um, yeah, I, I, it's tough because I, I wouldn't really say this is, I wouldn't recommend this movie, but I'm also not angry at it. I am very just whatever towards this movie. It's totally down the middle. There's, the plot with Jamie Foxx's character who's tortured past and you kind of, you know exactly where that's headed. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's kind of a hard movie to talk about other than the premise itself. Cause I don't really think it does anything super interesting with it. And you kind of see as soon as like you're like an hour into this movie, you know exactly where it's headed and you're just waiting for the movie to end and get there. 
Um, but it is doing really good for Netflix and it seems like it's, I mean, it's number one this week on their top mm-hmm. 10. So obviously a lot of people are watching it, but um, yeah, it's one of those, it's, there's a lot of these Netflix original movies that they release where they, they feel kind of half baked. Uh, they don't really feel like maybe they're, they're not completed all the way where the, some of the CGI in this movie is just really, really bad. Like we're talking like 2005 <laughs> level CGI is just not very good. So it feels like sometimes they release these movies and they're just like totally rushed and, and slapped together. And um, this kind of feels like one of those, but um, I could see where people could just like watch this in the background as they're doing laundry. <laughs> I feel like that's the, I feel like that's kind of the base for a lot of Netflix movies now where it's like, ah, can I put this on in the background while I'm doing something else? Uh, yeah. All right. It passes. I think that's kind of what project power is in a nutshell. Yeah. You know what? This is a movie that I did I actually did know about this, but in the, recent weeks i guess just i just forgot it was coming um but uh yeah it's great to see joseph gordon levitt in things um as you said he was in that other film earlier this year i actually like that movie the uh, 7500 movie i do too i thought it was really effective uh for what it was i don't i can't really say it stuck with me but Mm -hmm. um yeah i do like it i would recommend it yeah that that was a solid one uh, now we transition on to uh, number two on the list this week, which is The Lost Husband. I know you also wanted to touch a little bit on that, um, <laughs> and we'll talk a little bit about our, our boy Josh. Uh, I am I am so confused by this movie. So there's there's this thing on, that we've seen on Netflix for a while now where it's like, why is this random movie in the top ten? Like we had that 30-22 movie that I keep going back to with Omar Epps, I think it was, which is just like, what is this movie? Or you have Code 8 was another one. And uh, there's another strain of this where it's uh, a Josh Duhamel rom-com movie that makes it in the, into the top ten. So I think Life As We Know It was that movie with Katherine Heigl was really big for a while. Um, and yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. Because it seems like there's a large contingent, a silent majority, if you will, of people out there who really love Josh Duhamel and his movies. And I don't really get it. Because uh, I watched I watched this movie. So this is, this movie stars Les, Leslie Bibb and Josh Duhamel, and it's all about Leslie Bibb's her life. Basically, her life is falling apart, and she goes to this farm that her her aunt runs. And uh, Josh Duhamel is the farm hand, and he's running he's running the, the show and showing her how to do that. And simultaneously, she's trying to get her life on track. And it's just a lot of white person goes to the country to find herself kind of thing. Super cozy meant for people to get the nice warm, fuzzy feeling in them. And I just couldn't take it because it was just so, so down the middle. And, (laughs) but there, there's a, it's so fascinating to see some of these just strange Josh Jamel movies just pop up over and over again. I don't, I, I want to do more research on this, but I'm kind of afraid to, because it's such a weird concept, but there's something about him and his movies that resonate really, really strongly. Yeah, no, it's it's odd. I mean, I, I don't think I put uh, the Transformers he was in into that category, but uh, oh, that's right, he was in that. <laughs> I totally forgot. <laughs> um, but uh, no, you're right. It's it's odd. Like you see, you like I can't really name too many movies he's in, but I always can can picture him in in a movie every now and then, and he always just kind of pops back in into the uh, into the uh, arena of things. Yeah, he's been in kind of like that VOD hell for a couple of years. I don't know what that means, but and then this was Lost Husband was another one of those where it released earlier this year, and then 
this happens time and time from Netflix movies where um, it's a it's a smaller movie that Netflix buys the streaming rights to, so it just plops on there. Um, so yeah, I think this movie came out in April, and we're also seeing it with another one with uh, another one in the top ten. We saw the Darkness, which I think came out in March or sometime earlier this mm-hmm. year. But it's the same kind of deal where it's Netflix just finds these movies and says, hey, we'll take them, we'll add them here. So um, it's very, very bizarre how they can create a second life for these kind of movies. And yeah, I, I'm kind of the same thing where I haven't, I don't think I've seen a lot of Josh Duhamel movies because he's in a lot of movies that, I, that I'm just not really interested in, like New Year's Eve or like Transformers or just these other things. But uh, I think he was in movie 43 too, which is just very strange to me. But, um, but yeah, I he must just be like the manly man kind of guy that women seem to really care for. I mean, that's, I feel like that's too broad of a brush to paint uh, here, but yeah, he's just kind of like this guy that people like, and I don't, I don't know what it is, but uh, who knows? He's just a tall, good looking dude. He's good to cross from other people in movies. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he's uh he's someone that I think we'll, uh, we'll always see him kind of bouncing around here and there. Um, so that's the lost husband. Uh, we won't touch on it, but big shout out to another, uh, Santa movie jumping in, uh, Mr. Deeds at number 10. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, that, I, I loved this movie when I was 12. And I think that speaks to just all Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> I'll be honest. I don't think this is one that I've seen. I like this movie. I would check it out. If you're 12, if you're a 12 year old boy, you're bored and you're on Netflix, you can watch it and you'll <laughs> probably really, really like it. <laughs> Good to know. I mean, we're, uh, I don't know if that's our audience, but we'll, uh, hopefully Maybe are. Just... <laughs> you don't <laughs> know. Be. I look at these, be. I look at the website stats every day and it's all just 12 year old boys reading my reviews of these really esoteric <laughs> indie <laughs> movies. It's all, it's all them. It's all, that's it, our base. You're enlightening them. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Um, so that's the Netflix top 10 this week. Not too many holdovers from last week besides uh, Jurassic Park. And a few others, but um, that is that. We'll move on now to a, a recent release that is uh, pretty uh, popular right now. It's trending. I know on Letterboxd it was trending. Um, it's not out here in Canada right now, but uh, that is Boy State. Uh, firstly, wh- where did you uh, watch this? So this is interesting because this is through Apple TV Plus. It's A24. Uh, produ- I think it's A24 produced, or they picked it up, or and they they partnered with Apple. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the business is on there, but I know that A24 has had some kind of uh, deal with Apple to show some of their films. So maybe this is the first wave of that. I don't really know, but it is on Apple TV plus um, I guess here just in the States since you haven't been able to watch it, but uh, really interesting movie. So this movie played at Sundance earlier this year. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to see it there, but it, I think it won the audience award or it won the best documentary. It won one of those awards there. Uh, but it's really, really fascinating. I feel like it's kind of of this moment in a lot of different ways. So um, it follows uh, the boys, the boys state in Texas. So for, I guess for people who don't know, it just basically the boys state and there's a girl state as well, which is really interesting because they keep them apart in 2020, but that's another discussion to have entirely. But so these uh, boy, there's like thousands of boys that are brought together for, this boy state and they get together for a week and build a representative government from the ground up. And they have all, they can bring up, bring up all of these uh, ideas and bills. I I think 
there's a funny part for the year before in Texas where all the boys came together and voted to secede from the United States, which is really funny. Um, so uh, this is it, this documentary is kind of a fly in the wall Verite style. It follows a few kids, a few of the kids who play are big players in kind of the machinations of this week at Boy State. So there's one kid who is the the, the kid of um, immigrants, Mexican immigrants here in the United States, and there's another kid who appears to be gung ho. I love I'm. I love Trump's America. I love guns kind of thing. We follow him as well. And there's one kid and another kid who's kind of playing in the weeds a little bit. He's kind of uh, propping up one of the candidates and working for him behind the scenes. And a lot of his machinations are really fascinating. But so, yeah, this is a movie kind of just I think it's meant to act as a microcosm of politics uh, in 2020. And I don't know. I don't think that's necessarily accurate because this movie is about a bunch of 17 year old boys in Texas. (laughs) So I don't really think that necessarily works as kind of a simple idea. Uh, But I think it does show a lot of really interesting ideas about what politics have become and what you need to do to succeed in politics. Um, So there's one, the one kid who is really into like Trump and he says he's very pro-life and all this stuff. He's, he's up on the stage just yelling and going, yeah, like go America. And you realize that he's actually uh, pro-choice and he's actually very liberal. And it's really interesting because he's discussing how he needs to show some, this kind of created persona in order to succeed. And I think there's definitely a lot of truth to that. And just in modern politics and how people have to do whatever they can to get votes from people they don't necessarily believe in and how it's more about, showing a face rather than uh, displaying a lot of your ideals. I think there's something really interesting in that. Yeah. Um, um, but, so I, I would guess that they're, they're all re- So that kid there that you're talking about up on stage, Kevin, uh, all that, you're saying that that's kind of the persona that he was portraying during the, uh, during the mock uh, government. Yeah. So there's, it's really funny. And I don't, and this, he, he, you see him like the first 40 minutes of it. He's like, I just want to go to West Point and love my country. And it's just like, Oh my God, like this kid is so much. And then there's an interview later on where he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty liberal actually. (laughs) Like I'm pro, I am pro choice. I am all these different things. Um, and, but I know that I won't be able to succeed here if I don't show this kind of personality that I've created. Uh, so it's, it's really, really fascinating in that sense. And then you have, um, this other, the other kid, um, who's kind of like the idealist, um, who's from immigrant parents where he's going around and there's a big part of this where if you want to run for governor in Boise state, you have to get 30 signatures from other kids. And the other guy who's like rah, rah and all this stuff, he's just like running around and like throwing his paper at people and telling them to sign it. <laughs> and then this other kid is going around. He's like, I don't want your signature unless you believe in what I stand for. So he's having all these really responsible conversations that frankly, I don't know if I can have, (laughs) like he's just well beyond his years in that sense. And he's 17 and I'm 24. It's like, Holy shit, what am I doing with my life? But (laughs) he's talking to all these people and he's like, this is why I believe in. And there's actually like some nuance in there, which I thought was really fascinating. Um, So it pits, it pits him. uh, He's one of the big uh, leaders of this week and he 
plays a big role in it. Um, and it's just really, really fascinating because there's, I talked about the other kid who's kind of playing behind the scenes and pulling the strings a little more. And he, they start running a smear campaign and going scorched earth on all these kids to just kind of just destroy their public persona. And it's like, wow, like we resorted to this in like two days. Uh, So it is really, really fascinating, but also I think it is worth uh, knowing that, Hey, these are 17 year old boys. So I don't know how much we can take from this, but there's a lot of interesting stuff to take from it. Yeah, that sounds like a good time. I think I'll I'll try to hunt that down as soon as possible. But uh, that is interesting, and it's it, it it sounds like a lot of fun too. Um, and just quickly going back that seceding uh, that seceding part from the U.S. That's a big big Texas moment right there. <laughs> it is really funny because I, I this movie I think it's the year after. I think this was the 2018 Boy State in Texas. So this is okay. from I think the 2017 one was when they seceded. And so all these people are like, we like this is all for nothing if we just vote to succeed. And there is a like a, there is a contingent. Like, these are seven. These are seven year old boys. Like they're like they just want to like be ridiculous, right? Like we know that very well. Where a lot of them were like they want to impeach the speaker and all this stuff. And then, but then there is something I think really responsible where it's like well, this is basically for nothing if we vote to secede. Like what are we doing here? What are we standing for? So I thought that was actually really fascinating as well because they don't want to follow in that same in that same mode as the people that came before them so um there's a lot i think there's a lot of different a lot of interesting discussions to have from this movie um i think it's it's kind of it's a good encaps it's it's simultaneously a good encapsulation of what politics is and also it isn't because of kind of like the qualifiers that i said and it would be it would also be really interesting to see like a sequel or something like a girl's state because that's just like off, like that's just not mentioned in this movie. And um, I think uh, Brian Connor, who wrote the review for our site, uh, pointed this out where um, I w- it would be amazing to be able to see just like, I don't know, like a people state. Like you have boys and girls come together and it'd be, I think, more of a microcosm of what this movie is searching for in terms of its themes. But um, yeah, I think it's it's really powerful. And I think it does say a lot, even though there are, these things that I have issues with, but I really liked it. Yeah, no, it does sound pretty interesting, and I will do my best to find that um, at some point. But yeah, it sounds like a uh, sounds like a good time, and you're right; it would be great to see a, a sequel. Get like a different, uh, obviously, get get just a completely different kind of demographic in the room, and it'll it'll uh, probably change big time. Yeah, I would love to see it. Like, do you take like this is probably the most conservative you can get with this. I would love to see this like take place in like Vermont somewhere or just like mm-hmm. some, like somewhere totally different that has totally different belief systems. I think that would be really fascinating. You can have this sort of running kind of like a, what's like a seven up kind of, uh, kind of documentary series where we follow these people uh, year after year or something like that, or just like a different kind of series of documentaries. I think there is something like, I think there would be something really interesting in in doing that instead of just sticking with Boy State. But um, who knows? Maybe it, once this gets out there, people are like get more performative when they know that cameras are following them. Who I don't I don't really know. <laughs> they are seventeen year old boys. I want to keep stressing that. So <laughs> who knows? But um, I think there is something. I really hope that happens. I would love to see that. Yeah. No, for sure. That does sound like a. Uh, it's 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 definitely an interesting idea and something that 
should be looked into, especially if this is successful enough. Yeah, and it, it seems like it is striking, or I think this is a really big get for Apple TV+. Plus. I mean, we've talked before about how they don't have the biggest library, so it's a matter of can you just, like download Apple TV plus for a week and rent, pay the six bucks to rent a movie. And I think at this point, I think that's a really viable option, but yeah, I think this is one of the more interesting documentaries I've seen this year. I think I've seen better documentaries, but I think I come out of this movie with a lot to discuss and I want to discuss it with other people. So um, I think that's in some ways that's the calling cards of a really good movie. So I would recommend this to anyone. For sure. And it's good for them that, that, they need to diversify that uh, that library they have, so that's that's good. Um, so we'll move away from that and just kind of touch on what we have been watching in the last uh, little while. Um, if you want, you can you can start it off. Actually, you talked a little bit a uh, little bit uh, a lot there, so I'm going to jump in here and give you a little bit of a break. Um, I'm exhausted. Please take over. <laughs> <laughs> grab some water or something. Sit back. Um, so one film I watched a couple of days ago, it was completely bonkers by Varium. And it came out in 2019 stars, Jesse Eisenberg, um, directed by Laura San Finnegan. Uh, I don't know if it's Laura can or Laura San, uh, but it's, that is what it is. Just know it's Mr. Finnegan, um, <laughs> starring Jesse Eisenberg. And it's just like, a uh, a, a really interesting movie. I, I, I didn't really know how I felt about it till the next day. Really. I knew I was pretty entranced by it, but I didn't know if it was good or bad. Um, I've kind of settled on that. It's fine. Like it's, it's an interesting movie with an interesting concept, but there, for me, there wasn't enough payoff. However, it is worth a watch just for how weird it is and bonkers it is. So you have, uh, this couple and they're, they're looking for, um, a nice place to live in the suburbs and they go to this, this, uh, city and, uh, the suburban area and it's just, every house is the same and it's like they're trapped. Right. And you have this guy who tried to sell them a house and he, uh, He's an odd dude. Like he's repeating the things um, that they're saying in in a weird tone, and you can tell there's something off about him. He's making these weird faces at them, um, and they're like, "Yeah, we should leave." So they hop in their car to leave, and and they're driving, and they don't know. And, and as they're driving, it they're they're essentially going in circles. They don't know what's going on, and um, they're essentially stuck there, and they live there. But the the weirdest part is, and this isn't a spoiler because this is the what the movie is based on. Uh, or what it's kind of centered around is is they decide to you know they're stuck so they go into one of the houses they sit down and in the morning there's a there's a baby and every day that baby's aging like a few weeks at a time and it's really oh my creepy. god it's really creepy it it starts like throughout the film it's it, it's it's like the size of a five year old and it's talking like a fifteen year old and it's just a creepy creepy weird thing. And it's it, there's some, there's something off with it too, and you can just tell, and it's it's driving the uh, the couple a little bit crazy. But it's a it, it's an interesting watch, and that's pretty much the premise of the film overall. But uh, I, I would give it a watch if you want to see something that you've never seen before. That's interesting because I have heard some people like maybe don't spoil it, but they get to the ending of this movie and they're like, "What the hell just happened? Like, does it stick the landing? Is it worth it?" Yeah, that's what I'm saying. For me, I don't. I don't think it paid. I don't think there was enough payoff um, overall. Like I, I do feel that um, the film was was good. It was interesting, but I, I don't feel like the ending had enough payoff. Now it stuck the landing. I don't know. 
I don't really know if they knew what they wanted to do with this movie. That that I guess that maybe some of the gripes people have with the ending because you you can essentially not watch the ending and and I, I feel like you don't really leave with that much different than what you would have if you see it. You know, it's uh, it, it was all right though. Interesting. Yeah, it's something I I think I have been meaning to check out because I think it's on Prime for for free right now, right? Where you can just watch that. So it's been something that I've been meaning to check out. But that's creepy. That that baby that doesn't sound that doesn't sound good to me. <laughs> no, <laughs> Maybe I won't watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know that's that's respectable, but it's uh, it, it's it's rather bonkers. Interesting. Um, so. Yeah, what I've been I've been spending my time actually just watching a lot of different stuff. But um, the one I really wanted to touch on was I finally watched Bicycle Thieves. It was kind of one of the biggest holes in my movie knowledge. I for whatever reason just hadn't seen it, hadn't seen it when I took a full, few film classes in college. But finally got around to it on Criterion, and it's one of those movies where you watch it and you immediately like there's a bunch of different holes of film history that start to make sense where you just see like all these different things just came from this specific movie. Uh, I really, this movie is just so, so good. And it's not really like me coming in 70, 70 plus years later being like, Hey, have you guys heard of this movie called bicycle thieves? It's pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah, like this movie is just terrific. Everything you've heard about it. If you haven't seen it, it's just so, so wonderful. Um, but yeah, it takes this just really basic premise of this, guy from the working class just he finally gets a job and he needs a bicycle for it and as soon as he's out he's he's putting up posters in in the neighborhood and then as soon as he starts working he gets stolen from him so that the rest of the movie's just a race to get his bike back because that bike is just his livelihood and it's just such a really smart and understated look at just how for people in the working class they have no safety net and just not even i mean I've had a bike stolen before. You don't lock it up and kind of things like that, but it just shows how it's just, everything just means so much more. And these little things just add up and yeah, this dude just can't work anymore. And it's just so, so sad to see him go through the, all the, these, just this pit of despair and he just can't like provide for his family. Um, it's just a terrific, terrific movie. Um, I also think it's, it's one of those classic, uh, world world cinema movies i think is a really good place to start for people who haven't watched a lot of world cinema especially classic cinema because it's 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 straightforward and it's not esoteric or super like surreal surrealist or anything like that it's just really terrific and so well done and you kind of see where just like every movie kind of comes from this in a lot of sense like everything about the the working class really does take a, like a huge debt to bicycle thieves. It's just so terrific. So I see here it was about ninety minutes too. Came out in nineteen forty eight, uh, and it uh, does it take place in that time too? Yeah, it does. It takes place in um, after World War Two, so definitely right around that time. But it doesn't make a huge um, kind of point to like, hey, this is when this movie takes place. It's just more of kind of just following this this character and his son who that's the son is son's Bruno played by Enzo. I don't even know how to say his last name. Stiola, I think is how you say it, but it's just like one of the best kid performances I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I'm sure that's not breaking new ground either because then this movie's just been talked to death, but then he's just so, so good in this movie and just 
the the way he he emotes is just oh my god it's 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 brilliant but yeah it's just kind of a day in the life uh, of this person kind of trying to find his bike and it could be i'm not quite sure of the timeline in this I and mean, maybe it takes place over two days or three days but you could say this is also like one of the best all in one day movies as well because mm-hmm. it's really just him it's like if he doesn't find his bike immediately like it's going to be gone for forever so it's just him in that race and they take it they take their breaks and go into uh, a store and see the wealthy just enjoying themselves and it's just oh my god it's i love this movie so so much it's terrific yeah and you know what that's just uh just kind of another another uh, criterion pro- promotion from uh from movie babble yeah are they gonna start paying me or what because I come on here every single time and say how great they are. <laughs> like, they need to drop the bag and just give me money. <laughs> we have to start getting uh, some funding uh, from them. Yeah, Criterion, come at me. Give me a, At least give me, like, a free, like, free profile or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just give me stuff. Give me all something your Criterion like DVDs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, DVD here and there, 50% exactly. off. Yeah, it wouldn't hurt. Throw stuff in my, in my mailbox from time to time. I wouldn't be yeah. angry. I hope I hope they're listening, and if they are, they you I'm deserve sure that. They are. I'm sure they are listening. They listen every. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with that, though, we will uh, wrap it up. Uh, next week, we'll be back, and we'll, we'll we'll be one week closer to the potential release of uh, Tenet in the United States. We're still uh, holding our breath, hoping that it's actually good. Because if it is awful, it will be absolutely uh, devastating. <laughs> there would be some kind of poetic justice in that. I feel like. <laughs> There's something highly ironic about that. Uh, <laughs> but like I said, I'm not I won't believe it until I'm sitting in a theater seeing it. So <laughs> Right. Don't don't catch me holding my breath over here. No, that's fair. Um, but as always, you can check us out, check out all our content on our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, everything else at moviebabble.com. <laughs>